My name is Brandy, and I used to run a bookshop on wheels. Now I run a bookstore with an address in Edmonton. This podcast is about books, the people who love them, and the business side of running an indie bookshop during a pandemic. Today, we are talking about books. We are going to talk about your reading life and some of the conundrums that readers encounter. It's very funny to me running a bookstore, the number of confessions that people make, as I've mentioned before, but also the very similar situations that readers get into that they think might just be about them. I'm here to tell you, friends, it is not just you. If you read and you love books, you have way more in common with other readers than you think. Readers are such a special community. And yeah, we have a lot in common. So before I dive into the reader dilemmas, I thought I would give a shout out and talk a little bit um, about this podcast. This podcast started during the winter when for a book trucker, there is not a whole lot to do right? Edmonton in the winter is long, it is cold, and you need to do something creative to just get your juices flowing. So I was curious about podcasts, and I decided to just do it. I researched it, I watched YouTube videos, I read all the things I could, I listened to other podcasts about podcasting, and I just, I learned everything and started from scratch. It is a one-woman show. I do it all. I edit it. I do all the, I make all the mistakes myself. <laughs> so um, it is fun. And as far as I know, I'm the very first bookstore in Edmonton to start a podcast from a bookstore, which is kind of cool. So, you know, if I was to do a baby book of my bookstore life, there would be all sorts of firsts. And... This is definitely one of the cool things that I launched and I'm so excited about. Here's something that's fascinating to me. This podcast about this little tiny store in Edmonton that started because of a little tiny truck that drove around with shelves full of books to bring to people is being listened to in eight countries consistently. The USA, Australia, Indonesia, the UK, Spain, Trinidad and Tobago, Colombia, and Canada. You guys, holy cow, how did you find me? <laughs> I'm just, I'm blown away. And there are a number of people in these countries who are turning in regularly. So I love that our community of readers is not just limited to right where I'm sitting, but it is global. Like, isn't the reading community just the most extraordinary thing? We read about people from all over the world. We touch points with people from everywhere. And we have so much in common. I just, I think this is so, so remarkable. So yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to that because I know that a lot of you listening might not be aware of how much you have in common with other readers. Well, let me tell you, you do. And here are some things that you all have in common. Let's talk about some of the dilemmas, shall we? Okay, so here are some things I hear in the store quite a lot. So, dilemma number one. What do you do when someone passionately recommends a book to you, but it is not for you? Maybe you read it and thought, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Or you are not going to read that because that is not your jam. Okay, first of all, how great is it that somebody wants to give you books? Right? Like that is that is pretty awesome. So let's look at the silver lining first. They have a story that they love and they just want to share it with you because you are obviously a reader they care about you, and they want to share good things with you. 
That is awesome. It doesn't have to be for you. So you can say to them, thank you, but that that's really not something that I'm in the mood to read about right now. Or, oh, I really appreciate that you thought of me. I will, I will consider that, or I will put that on my TBR, or I will look into that book. You can have all different ways to tell them, but you don't necessarily have to say, what is wrong with you? Don't you know me at all? I'm not reading that garbage. Blah. Of course, you're not going to do that. This is somebody that you like, or maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a friendship you want to end. I don't know, whatever. But there are definitely ways to handle it when somebody wants to put a book in your hands and they want you to have the same amazing experience with that story that they had. You might not, and you might know from the very beginning, yeah, this is not for me. You might get into the book and go, oh my gosh, this is terrible. What am I going to say to this person? You can say, you know what? I tried it. Thanks. That was just not for me. It was the wrong book at the wrong time, or that's just not something that interests me, but I'm so glad you loved it. There are so many ways you can lift them up and still shut that down. (laughs) You can do it. But if somebody is recommending a book to you, that's a real compliment because they want you to read something that is special to them. It's like they're giving you a little bit of an insight into who they are because of this great story. We do not all have to like the same things. We are not all going to think the same things are wonderful. The beautiful thing about stories and books is the number of varied perspectives and ideas that we all get when when we read the exact same text. You see, I I could have edited that out right there, but... (laughs) I'm just going to leave it in. It's Friday. I just feel like leaving that in. So here's another one. How do you justify coming home from a bookstore with new books when you already have so many unread books on your shelves at home? Maybe you're getting the stink eye from somebody that you share space with and they're saying, what? How come you're buying more books? Okay. Now, lots of us have somebody who is very, very helpful at keeping us accountable and helping us stay on track and be disciplined about things. And that's great. We all need a cheerleader. But if you have come home from a bookstore with books and you feel that this was the right thing for you, then then stick with it. I'm, <laughs> am I biased? I don't know. You don't have to have come from my store. You can come from any store. You could, you could have got them online from a swap, you, whatever it is. The idea of having extra books to read when you just finished a read is a satisfying experience. When we go to watch TV, do we only have one show waiting for us? No, 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 no. We have multiple streaming services with hundreds of shows each to choose from. Now, We like it when those streaming services come out with new shows. Really, all that's doing is adding new shows to your list of what you want to watch. When you go to the grocery store, you buy food. Do you already have food in your house? Yes, you do. But you are buying more food, sometimes to replace what's gone, sometimes to add to what you already have. When you go to buy clothes, Do you already have clothes in your closet? Yes, you do. You are getting new clothes to fit either a new season, a new body type, a new event or passion, whatever it is. These are all normal. I'm not 
here to say you should throw aside your budget. You should not have gas money and rent money and food to feed your children. You should instead just buy books because that would make me happy. No, 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 no. Don't be foolish. No, 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 no. Life is still important. But if there is something that you love and you want to invest in it and it's good for you, then go for it. If you feel like the way you spend money on books is not exorbitant, it is not ridiculous, and the time you spend with the books that you've paid for is really, really valuable, then don't feel any guilt about it. If you oh, if you bought the books on sale or you got them free from somebody, whatever the, the bargain hunter in you craved, that is fine. That You know, it's not about the money you spent or anything. Some people just do not understand about having extra books, more books. Um, I don't know what to say about that. I think, I think there are people who do not get a passion for books and they will be critical. And that's okay. But they're looking out for you, right? The silver lining is they are trying to help you stay on track so that you don't go a little off the rails. I would say, if you can say to them, look, I have been reading the books that I have, but I'm not in the mood to read the ones I have currently. And these ones I found at this store and I'm very excited about, and I will spend time reading them. Thank you so much for looking out for me. I really appreciate it. And I love you lots. They are just trying to take care of you. And sometimes they're critical, sure, but you just got to wave off the critics, right? Those naysayers, whatever. And people who don't read do not understand. But likely, the person who is looking out for you also has something in their life they have also stockpiled because they're not ready for it yet. You have a lot more in common. So look for the positive side in it. And if you can demonstrate that you are actively reading books that you have purchased at some point, well, then at least they can't say that you don't use what you purchased. So read those books in whatever order you want, whenever you feel led to read them, but read them. That's why you have them. Okay, another reader dilemma. How to feel about a friend who adamantly dislikes a book or series that you adore? All right, this goes back to one of our earlier points about when somebody recommends a book to you that you don't like. Okay, so now we're going to flip it and think about it from the other side. You love a book. Let's say it is Harry Potter. And you give it to somebody who's never read it. I know, some people actually haven't read Harry Potter. But you give it to them and they say to you, "Uh, yeah, that was so stupid. Oh my gosh, like people like this stuff? This is the lamest thing I've ever read. I couldn't even finish it. It was terrible. And you just feel like your heart stops for a moment and you you don't know what to say. And you think you're looking at this person differently. Like, who are you? How can we be friends now? Okay. Okay. Let's just let's just dial this back a second. Everybody's gonna like different things. How you feel about a friend shouldn't have anything to do with what they like or don't like about a book, (laughs) right? Like if you like that person, you liked them for some reason before they read this book, that book has nothing to do with your friendship. So do not take it personally. If somebody dislikes a book or series that you have just, oh, it has rocked your world and you can't stop thinking about it and you just want everybody to read it and it's so amazing and oh, all the feels and this person just shut that down. So what? 
It has nothing to do with you. They probably still like you. It's just a book, right? So there's a number of people who have come into the store who just do not know what to do with a friend who doesn't like a book or series that they love. Oh, yeah, but do you still like the friend? That is at least something that you you have in common. Start there. Stay there. Agree to disagree about the book. That is fine. But still like your friend. Friends are so important. Books come and go. Friends, hopefully, hopefully, cross your fingers. Friends, stick around. Okay, so now we are going to talk about some books I have read recently. I would love to say that I had just knocked it out of the park with some bunch of five-star reads here, but I did not. So I'm going to talk about these books, but unfortunately, um, my opinion about them might differ from a lot of opinions out there. Uh, I'm not afraid to be honest about things, so here's how it goes. Okay, the first one I'm going to talk about is The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. This book was such a big deal when it came out. Everybody wanted to talk about it. Everybody wanted to read it. The cover is pretty impressive. Now, you know how I love a good cover. This is a very beautiful, compelling cover. A painting of a girl in a red outfit with long, dark hair. It's, it's really quite pretty. But I have to say, first off, that I really feel this review needs to be considered in two parts. So, one the audiobook version. I listened to the audiobook and I have to say listening to Tom Hanks read about anything makes it significantly better. Hearing the familiar inflections and the tones that he uses which were so satisfying. So to hear all this in his narration conjured up all of the warm fuzzies I associate with my favorite Tom Hanks films. So I don't know if is that <laughs> is that fair for the book or not? I don't know. So already I was feeling like I was going to enjoy anything that he was going to tell me. Okay, the book itself. The book was okay. It was an interesting story told from the point of view of a younger brother who is obviously devoted to his nurturing older sister. The book was really their story as siblings navigating the world on their own, with the Dutch house being a cool backdrop um, for how they grew up and viewed the world around them. It was a slow burn of a book. Nothing really monumental happened. No epic peaks or valleys, but it was steady paced and it told a simple story. It was all right. I think I had, if I had read it rather than listened to Tom Hanks read it to me, I would have given it a lower rating. I really wanted to love it. But it just, um, it just wasn't, it wasn't the five star that I was hoping for. That's fair enough. Okay, so let me see. The next one I'm going to talk about, ooh, The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek has written the book called um, Start With Why, which I have mentioned before in the store for sure, even if I've never mentioned it on the podcast. Actually, no, I think I have. When I was talking about the business side of book truck life, I'm pretty sure I referenced his book, Start With Why. That is a fabulous book. So Simon Sinek can always be counted on to lay it all out before you. He's very clear. He produces quality examples of his ideas. And then he just waits for you to do the right thing. 
The infinite mindset is not short-term thinking. It is the long con, but in a good way. And it is about service. Knowing who you serve with your business and how to serve them well over the long haul is what it's all about. So those with narrow-minded goals of just making profit, they're missing the mark and they cannot make a significant impact on the world. He gives examples like Walt Disney, Patagonia, Apple, and others like that. And he reminds me personally as a business owner about the value of running a business that is more than just exchanging items for cash. It's actually about people. Now, I have always said this, but to hear him put it so clearly so often in this book, and he just hammers this idea home. It is about people. It is about serving them. It is about serving them long term. It was brilliant. So it's about investing in the people, not only expecting that they invest in you. That is not a typical business idea, certainly, but it is the mantra of the most successful companies who see the biggest profit over the long haul because they see the bigger picture. This was an excellent book. Any business owner, any person who's curious about being an entrepreneur, this is the kind of idea that you start with. The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Okay, I'm going to talk about another business book because this is often how I do it. I do it in chunks. So this one, oh, okay, this was my five-star read. This is Marketing You Can't Be Seen Until You Learn to See by Seth Godin. Now, you all know Seth Godin, I think, is an absolute wizard when it comes to marketing and clear thinking and presenting a thought in a way that you didn't know could be presented that way, and now you can't see it any other way. Seth Godin challenges so many of our ideas about why ideas are shared in the marketplace and who they're actually for. He is so, so good. So this book is really just, it is a marketing how-to. There is no one who says it like Seth. This book is a must for any business owner. Seth, he asks bold questions about the focus of your marketing choices, who we're marketing for, and what service we are actually willing to provide. Marketing is not just ads, it's not just commercials. Everything you do markets who you are, what you're all about, and why you're there. Everything you do. He's very, very clear on this. So he's talking about having a consistent message, knowing the best way to reach people, and why you want to reach them in the first place. You see, Simon Sinek and Seth Godin, very, very similar um, ideologies here. But Seth Godin, again, is just, he's so, so good. So read this. Underline the heck out of it. Take notes. Apply his logical wisdom. Then do it again. That's all I'm going to say. This book is an absolute win. It's called This is Marketing You Can't Be Seen Until You Learn to See by Seth Godin. So, so good. Okay, so now I'm going to switch gears from marketing and we're going to dabble a little bit in fiction. So this book that I'm going to talk about is called Greenwood by Michael Christie. I have heard this book mentioned on a number of other podcasts and it's shown up on Bookstagram and the covers of this book are pretty impressive. And one podcast I listen to quite often, the Currently Reading podcast, 
one of the uh, girls in that show said this was her favorite book of the year of all the books that they read. And she reads a lot. She's got a very diverse reading life. And this was her favorite book of the year. Well, as soon as I heard that, I thought, okay, now it just jumps right up on my list because I'm very in line with a lot of the things that she reads. So I'm like, okay, done. Okay. (laughs) So this book began as one idea and then it seemed to wander a bit, trying to pull itself together. I like the story, which is really just a multi-generational family saga with trees being backdrop props for their struggles with identity and a constant seeking of affection. Um, A few of the characters in this book I liked very much. There was some memorable tenderness and I don't know, kind of, there's sort of a bleak outlook overall, but it has a happy resolution. Does that make sense? It was well written. Uh, This had wonderful backstory of creation. I really liked the backstory almost more than the actual story. Minor characters played a really important role in this book, and I liked the minor characters. They were done very, very well. It might not have been what I thought it would be, but it was a satisfying read. It's kind of hard for me to explain what this book is actually about without giving too much away. So I'm going to just ask you to go and research this one. Greenwood by Michael Christie. All right, this is a book that I have just finished in the last couple of days, so it's very fresh in my mind. This was one that... A customer had talked about in the store and said this was so epic for her. Oh, it was so extraordinary. And if she finds one, she wants to give it to people to read. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I remember somebody had come into the book truck and said that, oh, this book was so wonderful. She has the best memories of it. It was just so powerful. And I thought, oh, okay. So I decided to give it a try. It's called My Name is Memory by Anne Brashares. Anne Brashares is best known for writing the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants series for young adults. This book has young adults in it, but I wouldn't classify it as a young adults book. It's more general fiction because it does have more um, adult content in it. Um, and I was really anticipating that this book was going to be the maybe the tender love story or the emotional punch that I was looking for. It was not that... Um, but once again, I went into this book with the expectation that it would rock my world and I'm sitting here unrocked. Um, it had an interesting premise. So here's the, here's the premise of it. A man and woman who are destined to meet and fall in love repeatedly over time. They have a a story that starts a thousand years ago. And as they keep dying and coming back into new bodies, they have a love for each other. Now, Daniel, he has memory of all of his lives. He can remember all the moments when he was seeking out Sophia and looking for her over all of these different experiences over time, throughout history, through all the different bodies and places in the world that they've lived. He's always seeking her out. Her memory of him is not so clear, although she does have dreams and she has instances where she, he's familiar, but she doesn't know why. So it's a very, very interesting idea. The conflicts that can occur, the bad guy they must evade, the constant optimism that they will find each other and live happily ever after, after conquering countless obstacles, even death. Oh, 
I was tired of all the constant inner monologuing. I did not need to hear all their thoughts and questions. It made me so frustrated with the story's pace. As well, the idea that finding your perfect person is the only purpose and focus of your life over so many years is incredibly myopic. Oh, that's my dog just coughing in the background. Isn't that classy? I was tired of Daniel and Lucy's dramatic laments of their love and their desire for each other. Is this all there is to these two? Ugh. And it ended like it was setting up for a sequel that was never written, so the end was unsatisfying. The bad guy was a blip on the radar, and other characters were added as distractions from Daniel and Lucy's all-encompassing desire for each other, so they couldn't even offer very much to add any depth to the story. I think this would have made a really great short story. I think it could have been laid out and presented in such a great way that had all of the good points without all the blah. Um, I don't know if there's ever going to be a sequel for this. I have no idea. This book was written in... Well, let me find out here. Hold on, I'm just checking. 2010, so probably not. It's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. This It was fine. I liked the beginning of it. I liked the idea of it. I, th I felt optimistic until I realized that the whole book is just optimistic. They're just waiting, 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 and it, blah, whatever. I wanted them to have a bigger life. I wanted them to have more things that they were passionate about and focused on. But it just didn't seem to matter. So that was not very interesting to me. Maybe I'm too grown up for this story. Maybe when I was a young adult, this would have been something that rocked my world. But it didn't rock my world. Okay, friends, there you go. I wish I had some really epic five-star reads for you to add to your TBR because I just can't wait for you to read them. You know what? Maybe, maybe that's coming up because I've got some five-star reads that I'm pretty excited about that I will share with you, but on a future episode. Um, we have some really fun conversations with readers coming up, and there will also be a podcast very soon called The Breakup Episode, which will feature books that I have broken up with. A lot of people call them DNFing, but I like to break up with those books hardcore. So I will talk about that in an upcoming episode as well. So please remember, if you like this podcast, if you want to tell people about it, please, please do. I do like keeping some things to myself, but not the really great stuff. If you think this is fun, tell your friends, tell your bookish community, get them on board. I would love to have other people weighing in on things they think I should read and adding to our community of readers, because that is really one of the most extraordinary things about this whole reading life, is that what happens between you and the book is personal and private, and it's just you. But when you're finished and you look up from the book, you've got a whole community around you of readers who cannot wait to talk all bookish things with you. So that is why I love this community, because it never, ever gets old, and you guys are always wowing me with new ideas. So share them with me. I'd love to hear what you're reading, what you think I should read. Tell me about a book that you loved. Tell me about these books, if you've read them, what you thought of them. So for all of my friends in all these different countries, thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our reading community. And remember, no matter how you serve the world, shine a light of humor, 
kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant. Be generous. Be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Talk to you soon. 